This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Five hilarious construction mistakes you have to see to believe. Now, this is the kind of clickbait I can get behind. Welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. This is uh, this is a slideshow is 116 pages long, which I've got to imagine is the ratio. This, the ads are like three to one. Oh my god! For 25 a, mistakes, a Spanish submarine that can't resurface. Uh-huh. There are trains that are too big for the station. Mm. Mm-hmm. I know how I know how that is, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh no. Uh, neighborhood built on an abandoned mine in South Dakota. Okay. That just sounds like a, a tourist attraction to me. <laughs> this one the sinking of the Titanic. Whoa. Wow, what an expensive mistake. What an expensive mistake. You have not made a mistake in tuning in to this podcast. It is in fact a book podcast, though Andrew does like to do some additional reading now and again. Uh, I mean, no, links ain't going to click themselves. We haven't invented that technology yet that I know of. Mm, Fair enough. Um, This is a podcast where one of us reads a book, tells the other person about it, sometimes tells the other person about their internet browsing history, I guess. Uh, And you get to listen along and maybe read along if you did the homework. Did you do the homework? Who knows? I did the homework. I read... The mouse, and, well, it's, it's the, mouse, podcast. the mouse and the Motorcycle by Beverly Cleary. Miss um, Cleary recently passed away, uh, which reminded us that she was painfully had not been included on the podcast before. Uh, which I'm not sure how that happened. I don't know how that happened. Have we done Judy Bloom yet? We've done at like least done one, if we not did, two. Yeah. Yeah, we did Are You There, God? Um, yeah, like if you enjoy judy bloom you'll love beverly cleary who is doing <laughs> sort of a similar thing but like 20 years before uh but yeah bo- known for writing uh kids and young adult fiction that was like very concerned with like the inner lives of of kids and how like typical middle class people lived now by some of today's standards their middle class existence seems impossible like as it was going around on twitter somebody was saying that in one of the books ramona's dad loses his job and the job that he gets that saves the family is he is like a a checker at a grocery store Mm. or something like it's it is one of the jobs now where you get that job and then you sleep in your car so you are rested enough to do your other jobs probably yeah because of the gears of capitalism but yeah beverly cleary It's not her fault that this happened. No, it is not her fault. Um, So I'm going to talk about the book Mouse and the Motorcycle. But first, Andrew, what should we know about Beverly Cleary? So here's fact one about Beverly Cleary. She was born Beverly Bunn. Mm. And then she married 
uh, Charles Cleary, I believe is his name. Yeah, Clarence okay. Cleary. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. There's more of a story. But so, so Beverly Bunn and Clarence Cleary got together. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which is just such a pair of names. She was born in 1916. As Craig mentioned, she died in March of this year. Uh, just short of her 105th birthday. So she's Man. been around for a long time. Yeah. Um, and yeah, she's known for uh, most prominently for the Ramona series. I think we we chose not to do Ramona specifically because it's, you know, like too mainstream. Um, and we, <laughs> you know, I said we should do Beverly Cleary and you said, hey, Craig, here's a Beverly Cleary book I think you might like. And I did like it. Mm-hmm. So we don't didn't want to do Ramona because she's too mainstream. Actually, it's just I think we just Ramona is another big one. That I think we should say for like a live show or something. Okay, um, fair enough. But uh, yeah, so the Ramona series, which itself was a sh- offshoot of the earlier Henry Huggins series, I can't believe uh, it was called Henry Huggins. It was called Henry Huggins. He had a dog named Ribsy. Oh my god. Um, and yeah, uh, Ramona and her big sister Bezos uh, were introduced in the first Henry Huggins book. Apparently not added originally but like when it was when the book was rejected when she was doing revisions she added Ramona and Beezus and then it went back to the same uh publisher uh the name of the publisher my notes are not super this was in the 50s so I'm wondering who it might be Morrow Morrow was the publisher so she yes she submitted the Henry Huggins book to Morrow it was rejected. She revised it, submitted it again, and then Morrow published pretty much all of her stuff between 1950, when the first Henry Huggins book came out, and 1999, when she wrote the, uh, I believe, eighth and last of the Ramona books, uh, and then retired after that. Um, her books have won, the, among others, the Laura Ingalls Wilder Award, the Newbery Medal, multiple Newbery Honors, the National Book Award, and she herself was awarded the National Medal of Arts in 2003. Yep. Um she was a so she was born and raised in Oregon, where many of the books are set. I'm not sure if Mouse and the Motorcycle is explicitly set in Oregon, or if it could just be kind of anywhere where I'll a tell mouse you. could ride I'll a motorcycle. You. I'll okay, tell you. sure. <laughs> um, and as a kid, yes, yeah, she actually she didn't love reading that much. She was sort of bored by the books that were available, and she was frustrated that there were not enough that were just talking about like kids living their lives. Yeah. Um, she carried this with her into adulthood where she uh, became a children's librarian. She had a bachelor of arts and then a bachelor of library science that she got. And yeah. um, as a children's librarian continued encountering these kids who were looking for sort of down to earth books about kids with problems like theirs and could not find them. And so uh, after doing this for a few years, she starts writing and Henry Huggins comes out and she's kind of off to the races after that. She's very prolific from the fifties through to the eighties and then kind of tapers off a bit in the nineties before retiring. Makes sense. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I think there have been some like collections and stuff published since, since her last like full book in, in 99, but sure. yeah, she didn't really, she didn't really come back to it after that. I, Not did... that, I mean, she has, there's plenty, there's plenty of Beverly Cleary to go around, <laughs> but true. Uh, I saw this quote from, this gets to what you were saying earlier about the, like the inner lives of kids and the types of kids that she was writing about. And for, there was a quote at the end of her New York Times obituary 
Um, her constant guide as a writer, Ms. Cleary once wrote, was the girl she once was. A rather, quote, a rather odd, serious little girl prone to colds who sat in a child's rocking chair with her feet over the hot air outlet of the furnace, reading for hours, seeking laughter in the pages of books while her mother warned her she would ruin her eyes. That little girl who has remained with me prevents me from writing down to children, from poking fun at my characters, and from writing an adult reminiscence about childhood instead of a book to be enjoyed by children. And yeah, that's kind of what you were getting at talking about the Judy Bloom stuff. And it does, it sings in this book too. Like I don't, even though it is mostly about a mouse, uh, the mouse is really just kid insert fiction. Like it is just <laughs> sure. a kid as a mouse. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know, honestly don't know what it is like if you're a kid reading these books now and like nobody has phones or TikTok or no, yeah. nobody's flossing or anything. I don't know if you could do like an updated Beverly Cleary where everybody like Ramona's playing Fortnite all the time, <laughs> but it's <laughs> to have that perspective, like to be able to talk to, to like speak to kids like that and to do that through your entire body of work until you yourself are in your eighties. That is, that is wild. And it's pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, and I was certainly, I saw some of those quotes, Andrew, that you mentioned earlier where she talked about struggling as a reader and not relating to the books and stuff. And I was reminded of that book, The Crossover, I read a few weeks ago that was like a guy who read books as a kid and then didn't connect with books again until he was in high school and wanted to make sure that other kids did not have that like falling out. And it certainly seems like that's what Cleary, that's what Cleary was clearly up to. <sighs> See, I did it right. No, that was good. This is a PSA for everybody at home that Cleary does not have a second L in it. Nope. You will hear and see her name, sometimes by me, I think, said <laughs> Beverly Clearly, and that is not her name. No, it is not. I, in fact, think there was an episode of Overdue, maybe one of the Judy Bloom ones, where mm. I said clearly and then went back and painstakingly replaced my audio. Where oh, to, I love doing that. Yeah, to pronounce it right, so... Um, and you have Love read some Ramona books. Is that true? Like, what yeah, is your so relationship read, here? I read a couple Henry Huggins's. I read a couple Ramona's and I read um, possibly all three Mouse and the Motorcycle books. So I don't remember any of them really well, except that there's a mouse in a motorcycle. And there's <laughs> one, maybe this one, maybe another one where he lives in a hotel. Okay. Yeah. So you've got some of the, this. This book was first published, in, it was published in 1965. It had uh, illustrations from Louis Darling, the or Louis Darling, I don't know. The edition that I have has illustrations from Jacqueline Rogers. They're pretty good. I'm not upset that I'm not, you know, getting the OG illustrations. I enjoyed the ones that I got. Um, and there are two more books titled Run, Runaway Ralph. Mm -hmm. from 1970 and Ralph S. Mouse in mm -hmm. 1982. The S, I believe, is for smart, correct? Uh, I don't know, actually. I think the S is for smart because he's smart enough to drive a motorcycle. <laughs> Let me make sure that that's true. It's just like Charles Entertainment Cheese is yeah, an entertainer the middle initial, The middle initial stands for smart because he's uh, smart mouse. I dig it. I love it. Um, there was a film adaptation in 1986. Um, I also found, uh, a, a TV adaptation, or maybe this was it. Yeah, this was the adaptation. It was for the ABC Weekend Specials, uh, a series of youth-oriented programming on ABC. 
It's a 40-minute adaptation with a really bizarre puppety mouse creature. It's it's messed up. <laughs> and the the voice is a all the mouse voices are like they took you know, literal tape and sped it up. Alvis, Alvis, oh, it's like chipmunk chipmunks. Style. Oh no! But the voice, I think, the kid who went on to be uh, Bill in the Bill and Ted television show was the what? voice of Ralph Mouse. It's oh, just boy. a weird. That's a lot. Whole lot of things. Um, I feel like we should have gotten a Ralph S. Mouse movie with Gina Davis as a woman who births a mouse. Mm, just throwing okay. that out there. Okay, because she did that Stuart Little movie. Okay. Yeah. What if we got did like? Did you not? <laughs> did you I've, not know what I was referencing? Yeah, because for a sec, I forgot that she was in the Stuart Little movie. So I was like, "Is this a B movie thing?" Ooh, it could be. It could. Hey, it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do at the back of this book. There's an interview with Beverly Cleary about Mouse and the Motorcycle. I ask her, of all the animals in the world, how do you decide that a mouse would get not only his own story but his own motorcycle? <laughs> <laughs> One of those things being more likely than the other, I guess. Yeah. She said, I myself am surprised to have written it. When my husband, kids, and I were visiting England, my son developed a fever and had to stay in bed. He had some toy cars to play with to amuse him, and among the cars was a little motorcycle. He seemed to get lost in some imaginary adventure, running the motorcycle up and down the stripes of the hotel's bedspread. And then we got home. A neighbor of mine had caught a mouse and wanted to show me. When I saw it, it occurred to me that this mouse was just the size of the motorcycle that my son had been playing with in England. And from there, the idea for the story began... A mouse of all things. Brains are wild. Brains, man. Brains, man. She kept this up for a long time too. Her brain. She did. Mm-hmm. Good for her. Um, all right. Imagine so writing for fifteen years and then getting to the one where the mouse rides a motorcycle. <laughs> like At that, that point, is somebody who's still got a lot of ideas. I think if you come out the gate with mouse and the motorcycle, your your editor might be like, "Really? What are we doing here? Was well, this an E.B. White thing?" Yeah. Well, but you got 15 years of, of awards and selling books and stuff. Like, okay, mm-hmm. okay. Um, all right, so you were right, Andrew. We're going to get into the book right oh, away thanks. here. I love. I don't know what you're talking about, but I love hearing that. Uh, that, <laughs> that Ralph Mouse lives in a hotel. Mm-hmm. You were right about that. Um, do you remember anything about the boy in this book? I remember almost nothing. I feel like I, if I were to even try to describe him, I would end up 100% describing the boy from the Indian in the cupboard book. You know, <laughs> I, it is a, it, he does match that archetype. I think he's a boy who likes his toys. Mm-hmm. That's, he's a, he's a toy boy. And maybe he's, <laughs> maybe he's a little bit of a, not a loner, but just like plays alone enough that it wouldn't be weird to see him obsessing over a tiny little motorcycle i don't know yeah so the setup is is that the boy's name is keith and he has driven he has gone on a vacation you know with his parents his mom and dad they have driven from ohio all the way to california uh, for a long july 4th vacation and um the dad has been driving for hundreds of hours. They were stuck in traffic. They've made it to California, but they can't go any further. He's just had it. He can't. He's dad. Where else would he go? <laughs> like elsewhere in California? I uh, guess? Yeah, they were. I think they were supposed to go down to San Francisco. They were supposed to go all sorts of places. Um, they have gotten two hotel rooms at the Mountain View Inn. In I guess it's like it's rural California. I think it's supposed Are to be we like talking close, about like Northern California, like I think maybe so? close to Oregon. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe. It's a, it's a battered resort hotel in the Sierra Nevadas, Wikipedia tells me. Uh, Where is that? I think that's more south. It might be it might be closer to San Francisco. Um though the dad says we're going to have to we're going to have to wait because we I have to sleep here. I'm oh, yeah, too there's, tired. Wikipedia has a picture of California with the Sierra Nevadas like imposed over it and it's basically a, a like an Italy shaped smear like all up and down the middle of california it's like california has a bed sore and that's the sierra um the mom says we had planned to spend the fourth of july weekend in san francisco we wanted to show keith as much of the united states as we could dad says san francisco will have to wait and this is part of the united states which is a Mm. great response no that's good good dad logic yes um they give keith his own hotel room in this old motel sounds great which does it does have an adjoining door, I get you know, but he gets to like hang out in his bedroom and play with his cars and just like hang out. Um, his mom is kind of worried that this rundown hotel is going to be full of mice, and Keith's response is, "I wouldn't mind a few mice." <laughs> like, I think he used to have some pet mice back home. I don't know if he still has them, but he was is that like. like- headcanon world building for you or is that referenced in the book he does reference having some mice before uh, though he doesn't talk about them much over the course of this book um and they what did they drive i wonder that's a good good question but he's got he's got some cars he's got a toy ambulance he's got a sick toy motorcycle he just seems like a cool kid he's just hanging out in his room he eats an apple throws it in a wastebasket he puts his motorcycle on the nightstand and then like goes out to do whatever Mm-hmm. And then cut to Ralph S. Mouse, a hungry young mouse named Ralph, who emerges from the knothole. I like this first chapter where we meet him because, and reading a little bit about Cleary's work, like she takes a couple sentences in the first paragraphs to say all, to name all of the emotions that Ralph is feeling. Like he's disappointed at the size of the boy. Because the boy isn't young enough to leave a lot of crumbs all over the place. Mm, interesting. He is um, hopeful. I know. I know a boy that size. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he is hopeful, though, that medium-sized boys could always be counted on to leave a sticky candy bar wrapper around. Mm. Uh, the third emotion was joy when he saw the apple core, and then he experiences another emotion. Uh, he was eager, excited, curious, and impatient all impatient all at once because he saw the motorcycle. And Ralph is just, boy, oh boy, he wants to ride that motorcycle. It's not really, exp- I, I don't really know how or why he knows what motorcycles are. This is one I of mean, those- he's a mouse that has human emotions, so I think you just kind of have to go with it. <laughs> yes, and we get some like, you know conversations a little bit with his mom he's his mom wants ralph to stay home and be safe please don't go down to the first floor of the hotel please don't accidentally eat an aspirin because that's how your dad died uh oh yeah okay all right all right, all right. The, how the mouse is the mouse died. yes <laughs> uh generally like don't go trying to ride that motorcycle or otherwise mess around in the human world because you will die please do not Mm -hmm. my my only son probably not her only son because Mm -hmm. she's a mouse um and he goes to ride the motorcycle he can't make it go 
He's just sitting on it. He's sitting on the nightstand. The telephone rings. It startles him. And he somehow it causes him to make the motorcycle move. And it goes into the trash can. And now he's stuck in the sure. trash can. Mm-hmm. Then there's like a little bit of him like... Some pretty dark stuff about how his uncle Victor fell into a trash can and was never seen again. <laughs> a lot of misfortune in this mouse family. And like, how is he ever going to get out? Ultimately, uh, Keith does return. And after some like, where's my motorcycle that he whines to his parents, he does look in the wastebasket, finds a motorcycle, and then finds a mouse. Andrew, the book never really... This is one of those kid book logic things where like some people can talk to ralph mouse and some people can't i don't know okay. it's is it like a like a rugrats or a baby geniuses sort of thing where when you're young you can talk to animals and then you lose it or is it like a dr doolittle thing where only this boy and some maybe some specific other voice could talk to a mouse it's a little bit it's closer to that i guess i don't think that ralph can i don't think that keith can talk to other animals but they start talking to each other Mm -hmm. and neither the mouse nor the boy was the least bit surprised that each could understand the other two creatures who shared a love for motorcycles naturally spoke the same language that's the link is motorcycles i guess it's being a gearhead is mm-hmm. how you can cross the the species language barrier. Yeah, like I could talk to a cow who liked iPods, probably. <laughs> yeah, I could probably talk to a horse about baseball. Yeah. If a horse cared to watch baseball. What position would a horse play on a baseball team? Designated runner, pinch runner. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. Um, it's not a common position these days. But if you had a horse on your but team, but if you had a on, horse, yeah, you bring it back. You probably make room for it, especially they added a twenty-six position because yeah, yeah, it's fine. They'd mm-hmm. have room for a horse on the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're bonding over the motorcycle. There's like these little moments where <laughs> uh, Keith is like, "Hey, how did you even get up on the uh, side table?" And Ralph goes, "Climbed, stupid, on the telephone cord." <laughs> <laughs> and then instantly regrets his rudeness because he wants to make sure that he can get out of the wastebasket. Yeah, definitely don't bite the hand that could take you out of the trash can. <laughs> uh, he lets him out and they kind of bond. They just bond over like wanting to grow up and wanting to be able to do things on their own. Um, Keith teaches... Ralph, Ralph, he recognizes that Ralph wants to have some autonomy. Keith is like kind of worried that when he grows up, his mom's not going to let him have a real motorcycle. So maybe he could live vicariously through this mouse. Yeah, your parents do get to kind of decide what you do for your whole life. Hey, I mean, they know what's best. Mm -hmm. Mama knows best. (laughs) Uh, Motorcycles are wicked dangerous. Like, yeah, they really are. They're also I don't fun, know. but they're super dangerous. <laughs> I would never encourage a child of mine to ride a motorcycle. I don't think that's up there. I would never let a child of mine play football. It's like football, motorcycles. What else, Andrew? Uh, luge, street luge. Yep, no, can't do street luge anymore. Uh, bump fights, yep. fight clubs. <laughs> sure. None of that. None of that. Henry. Sorry. He's, all he's going to be doing is playing bridge. 
That's all he gets he's to allowed play to do. chess. He gets to do Queen's Gambit. <laughs> and that's it. Well, maybe don't do Queen's Gambit. Maybe just play chess. My, I mean, there was a Netflix docu-series about how that was the best move in, the strongest best move in all of chess. Is oh, the Queen's Gambit, I, I meant so. the part where, like, her life fell apart because she no, got no, not that to chess. Part. No, do the move, but don't do the the unfortunate childhood. Okay, sure. That, makes that sense. then has knock-on effects for the whole rest of your life. Yes, 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 yes. That makes mm-hmm. sense. How do you remember the motorcycle working, Andrew? Now, I didn't want to ruin this before we got to it, but this I remember crystal clearly is the mouse does have to make a motorcycle noise with his mouth to make the motorcycle go. Yes, he just goes... <laughs> <laughs> You have to make a noise, the boy explained, matter-of-factly. These cars don't go unless you make a noise. That's wonderful. It's written in the text as like, PB, PB, BBB. Which, just imagining a mouse making that noise makes me laugh. Oh, yeah. Does a mouse have, like, lips that could do that? I don't know. I don't want to think about a mouse's lips now. I'm not laughing anymore. I'm kind of grossed out. Oh, no. (laughs) It's one of those, like, (laughs) close-up... shots from Ren and Stimpy oh, where it's no. all gross. <laughs> and you always hear that scream of like, ah! Yeah, right. Okay, and so he, Ralph is riding around on the mount on the on on the mouse, on the motorcycle. And Keith just kind of like gets a little wistful. He's like, "Man, you sure are lucky riding a motorcycle." And Ralph That's like, <laughs> Yeah. I understand that, but Keith also you can't fall into a trash can and have your family leave you for dead. Yes, you also Probably. are you probably won't die if you touch aspirin. Like, it, Keith, you have some things going for you, son. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have bonded. And they kind of strike up a deal where Keith obviously doesn't want to just give away this motorcycle. He saved up to buy it with his own allowance. He does; It's his favorite toy. He does like watching a mouse drive it, though. Yeah. So he's going to let Ralph drive it around at night. As long as Ralph leaves it alone during the day so that Keith mm-hmm. can play with it. Sure. And I also, as I recall, there's a cat in this hotel in there. There's a dog in this there's hotel. There's a dog in the hotel. I think I maybe... Might, there they might be a cat in a subsequent book. It I'm might be a sure. subsequent book because they they might reference a cat. The big worries That's of the an interesting mice. creative decision because if you're doing animal kingdom, food chain, whatever, like the obvious antagonist for a mouse is a cat, not well, a dog. The, the the antagonist that the book is most concerned about for these mice um ralph's family is really worried about owls they do they <laughs> what? Okay. so they don't want to ever leave the hotel lest they be taken by owls i believe there is a line about uncle leroy not uncle leroy uncle leroy's in the book there's another uncle who got eaten by an owl and they found his bones in an owl pellet that's Uncle Al Leroy's poop. the uncle from Seinfeld, right? That's Uncle also, Leo. Uncle Leo. Yeah. Um, but the there's later in the book when the, the mice are really concerned that they have been discovered and are going to get kicked out of this hotel, everyone is concerned that they're going to have to go outside and get eaten alive by owls. <laughs> uh, the dog that shows up a few times at the terrier. Some man has brought his yappy terrier to this hotel and insists on like walking him around the hallway and the dog sees Ralph riding around on the motorcycle and you know tries to get him and it never succeeds it just adds sure. a little tension 
to the middle parts of the book. Um, mm-hmm. You can you can hear the dog's language as the reader, but like the dog and Ralph don't really have conversations. They just like the lang is the is it like um a uh, an up kind of inner monologue a little like bit external thing the, or the dog how does, is trying how's the to, dog's speech verbalized? the dog is trying to yell at his owner to like let him down so that he can get the mouse it's a lot of I like see. the dog trying to talk to humans and not being able to but they but they don't share the same hobbies so they can't speak to each other <laughs> yes correct <laughs> the dog and the human I that's mean. true that's very true <laughs> um so they've got this arrangement worked out um oh we do meet another human who can speak mouse uh, the first night that Ralph takes the motorcycle out for a spin in the hallway, the door gets shut behind him, so he can't get back into Keith's room. Uh, the caretaker, Matt, who's just a cool old dude who can speak mouse. He probably um, smokes a lot of weed. Yeah, like, I don't probably. think, probably Beverly Cleary doesn't talk about it, but he probably smokes a lot. He sees a mouse on a motorcycle and is like, hey, that's a pretty cool motorcycle. And yeah, and Ralph is like, "Hey, can you let me in this room, please?" And he does. It's absurd. Yeah, if you're that, you don't. You're not that chill as a like a caretaker at a hotel if you're not uh, partaking pre-liberally of a marijuana. Uh huh. The the jazz cigarettes that mm-hmm. Matt loves. Mm-hmm. Um. So he does get back in. He's with Keith again. Um, Keith's mom briefly sees him on the motorcycle riding by. And she shrieks and, you know, will later run on to tell management that she does, in fact, think that there are mice in this hotel. Uh, Her dad really, really just goes, what are you? What are you talking about? Mouse on a motorcycle. You're making stuff up. And if, if if he knew about it, it would be some real strong gaslighting. But the dad does not know about it. This is course. Keith's dad? Keith's dad. Not not the mom's dad? That's not the I'm mom's saying. dad. No. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Keith does... So, you know, I mentioned earlier when Ralph uh, was rude to Keith. Yes. We do get a brief moment in <laughs> the other direction where they're talking about where to leave the motorcycle during the day so that it won't get, you know, moved around or anything like that. And they're like, we could leave it under the bed. The housekeepers rarely go under there. And Keith says, yeah, there's a lot of dust mice back there. <laughs> and Ra- and Ralph goes, whoa, <laughs> please. <laughs> and Keith goes, yeah, the- my mom calls them that. And Ralph goes, my mom doesn't. <laughs> And we move on entirely, but I don't know, like, what, it's just a really fun, yeah, you wouldn't say that to a mouse. So it's a little microaggression. It's, it is. It is. Because mice are so small. It is a maestro aggression. It's true. Mm. Get it? No, I got it. That okay. was good. Thanks. Um, <laughs> I've never, dust mice, I've never heard. Dust bunnies, I've It's heard. dust bunnies. It's I mean, if we bunnies. were reading, uh... Uh, watch ship down then of course i'd never call it a dust bunny but <laughs> in this mouse book i feel like it's fair game yeah i think it is um what else happens their friendship blooms a little bit keith um wants to bring uh ralph some food because ralph kind of expresses the danger that his family is in by like having to run around and, and scrounge for food 
So Keith starts bringing them room service. They refer to it as a number of times. Brings like crams a whole PB and J sandwich into a wall to feed a family <laughs> of mice. Um, as a we, homeowner, that terrifies me. <laughs> <laughs> to have something that would get that gross that fast inside the wall of my house. No, thank you. We do get a little snippet of Ralph with his family where like all he wants to do is grow up like his mom is kind of helicopter mouse parenting him and won't let him go off on adventures and all he wants to do is grow up and be responsible um and of course when Keith is out one day Ralph is just admiring the motorcycle mm-hmm. just, just looking just looking but during the day he's not supposed to be there housekeeper shows up there's some fun bits here where the housekeeper doesn't want to do a good job. She's not the head housekeeper. She just kind of wants to get in there and like say she cleaned the place and just kind of like sing some music to herself and look at herself in the mirror um, and like, you know, not get fired, but mm-hmm. not really do a good job either. Yeah. Like most of us. Like, <laughs> that's true. I, like I identified with her jobs. in that moment. Yeah. Um, she leaves a vacuum cleaner on the on the ground. It almost sucks up Ralph in the motorcycle. It's very scary. And you know, for a rundown motel kind of in the middle of nowhere where these three people seem to be the only ones actually staying there at any given time, it is extraordinarily well staffed. Yes. And kept up. More staff than you would think. That's very true. Rooms, you know, it's at least a two floor hotel. At least. Yeah, I've got them. I mean, this might be another like pre-hollowing out of the middle class thing about a Beverly Cleary book. <laughs> yeah, that's very possible. Um, and Ralph, to get away from the vacuum cleaner and try to make an escape, he rides the motorcycle into some laundry, gets all tangled up, gets taken down to the laundry room, and has to leave the motorcycle behind, chew his way out <gasps> through some sheets, which is just really gnarly to think about. I don't like that at all. Like for the mouse or for the next person who's going to use those sheets? Every Kind of everyone. Kind of everyone. Like, yeah, it's not ideal for anyone in like, the situation. Even Cleary is like, wow, Ralph's jaws hurt at the end of this. Like, oh, he's, this yikes. was tough for him. I, I don't want to read about a near-death experience for one of my protagonists in my uh-huh. children's books. Um, and he, uh, he does hang out with Keith again, and he has to break the news Keith has made him an adorable ping pong helmet as a gift. I do. I remember that too. Yes. And uh, of course, Ralph has to break the news. It's very gift of the Magi. You got me a ping pong helmet. I lost your motorcycle. It's exactly that's that's like, how O. Henry works. Like the irresponsibility of the Magi. Like that's not quite. <laughs> and Keith says the most hurtful thing that he could to ralph he says i guess i should have known you weren't old enough to be trusted with a motorcycle wow and ralph turned to dust and blew away <laughs> wow so destroyed um the co- one of the coolest parts of this book is that keith forgives him pretty much instantly and it's not done in a way that like feels easy either they hang out again keith Offers to get him more food, and Ralph's like, wow, you're going to get me more food? He's like, man, I don't know. I've messed up before. (laughs) Sometimes when we get really mad at somebody, and they deserve it, and they know they deserve it, you do get like one freebie 
like in the moment nastier than it strictly should be thing, I think. Yeah. And then you can you get that out, you feel a little better, and then you feel a little bad, and then it all kind of evens back out into equilibrium. Yeah. And it was really like a lovely moment where Keith kind of gets to be the older kid to Ralph for a hot second. Well, because Keith's like, what, 12, and Ralph is probably like two months old. (laughs) I don't know how old mice have to be. I think Ralph is probably closer to nine or 10. I don't know. 12 seems a little old to be playing with trucks like the way that he does. I guess. I don't know. But who knows? I have a lot of experience with. 35 and a lot of experience with like one and a half yeah, and sure. not a lot in between right now. Fair enough. Um, but Keith in a really big moment says, I guess you might say I'm, I'm mad, but not real mad. I've been lying here thinking it wouldn't be right for me to be real mad because I get into messes myself. My mom and dad tell me I don't stop to use my head. And Ralph says, I guess that's my trouble too. I don't stop to use my head. And you get this really lovely moment where like, as I was reading this book, I was thinking Cleary had said in at least one interview, like she wrote this book to try and get her one of like her son into reading, like trying to hook him into books and trying to write a good book for a little boy. And I was thinking about like Ralph and Keith in this book kind of oscillate between being a good reader surrogate. They're never yeah, they quite... both get to be little they both get to be little boys in different ways. Yeah, and and it's never quite at the same time, but they're always bonding over that particular feeling of being a growing up boy who is not a teen and really would like to be a teen and or an adult so that they can be in charge of themselves. Yeah, but also their perspective of what an adult is is really skewed and they have no sense at all of the crushing weight of responsibility (laughs) that comes with being able to eat like Cocoa Puffs in the morning every day. Whenever you want. Yes. Uh, what it is like to have appetites just waiting for you. So you can ruin whatever appetite you want. Mm, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of ruined appetites, Ralph ate all those linens. And now the f- the mice are worried that there will be a war on mice in this hotel. Ooh, they're going to... The, the hotel staff are going to claim extraordinary powers and... <laughs> declare martial law and have a crackdown on all the mice that i mean basically they're gonna yeah. drive them out and let the owls deal with them mm-hmm. um and so ralph's plan is he needs to make he needs to like get and maintain good terms with keith so that keith can bring them more food so they won't run around in the hotel and maybe accidentally eat some poison that will surely be on the traps and wow. after a few days the hotel will get bored with this and they will be fine uh, did i mention that keith's dad made a unilateral decision that they were going to stay in this hotel for a week even though they never planned to stay there can you imagine keith's place? mom like i know keith's mom is set up as a minor antagonist in this yep. book in that she prevents the protagonist from doing whatever he wants yep but can you imagine being keith's mom and being cooped up in a car driving from Ohio to California, which has got to be at least like four or five days in the car, yep. depending on depending on how you're driving and what traffic you get stuck in. And then your husband gets to California and the first hotel he sees, he's like, we're going to stay here for a week and not go anywhere else. Sorry. We're stuck here. Can she? Wow. <laughs> I mean, and they even got their own room, but I can't imagine that it's... Ooh that there's much happening in there. I don't think so. 
and she's probably mad and as well she should be because that's that's no that's not good yeah now they do i don't know maybe she does like a good hike because the next event that occurs is they come back from a day out hiking and keith is feeling sick and he's the initial explanation is just that he got way too much sun over the course of the day Mm-hmm. And it is never, I will say, it is never fully explained what it, what was wrong with him. He just started running a fever and didn't feel well. That mm-hmm. is like as much information as we get. Mm-hmm. And Ralph comes across this when he's like trying to be like, listen, Keith, I need you to keep bringing us, I need you to keep jamming sandwiches in the wall so that nobody finds <laughs> us. Um, and he's like, wow, Keith, you don't look so good. And Keith's like, no, I don't feel so good. I've got to go to bed. And we cut to like another scene where he is like rolling around in a flop sweat, muttering motorcycle to himself. Like the kid is not great. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone is like, well, listen, we just got to get this kid some aspirin. Somebody find some aspirin. And Ralph's dad is like, well, not Ralph's dad. Keith's dad is like, well, Ralph's dad ripping peace. Ralph's dad ripping peace. Excuse me. He did eat aspirin, and he's not here anymore. Uh, Keith's dad ate some, ate the last aspirin when they were in traffic, and they don't have any more. And then they scour the entire hotel and can't find any more. And the gift shop's locked up, and the milkman might have some, but he's not coming till the morning. A mouse's one weakness: a locked human door. <laughs> what? <laughs> So no one, well, no human in this hotel is able to get aspirin until tomorrow Oh, okay, morning. that's what you mean. All right. And I thought this was like a, a tribunal of the mice who were discussing trying to get an aspirin for Keith. Well, so that's the next scene that happens. Okay, all right, sure. Where Ralph goes back to his family and he's like, listen, Ma, I got to find an aspirin for this kid. It's like gold out there. There's no aspirin, but I got to find it or else this kid's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, doesn't, he doesn't know what's going to happen, but he does know that they need a healthy Keith to get them their food. Mm-hmm. Et cetera, et cetera. And he still feels bad about the motorcycle that's lost. Obviously. There's a little fun bit where um, his mom's like, do you need to do this, Ralph? Like, maybe Uncle Lester could do it. And Uncle Lester literally says, well, now let's talk this over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, who brought Uncle Lester into this? Hey. Uh, so Uncle Lester's looking out for Uncle Lester. Get it? <laughs> like, I want a book about Uncle Lester <laughs> and his, like, tiny kayak or something he has a different mm-hmm. vehicle that is like chill and doesn't get into trouble and you don't need to make any noise to pilot it you nope. can just do like regular oars like a regular kayak uncle lester just likes to vibe he and matt hang really, out all the time i feel like if you could harness this noise making technology to power human vehicles huh you could sort of solve our like a global warming and, and an energy problem. Yeah, because I think because ma- you don't got to put gasoline in the little motorcycle to make it go. It's all noise and imagination powered. So can we can we adapt that? Now, have you heard of noise vehicles? pollution, Andrew? Hmm, interesting. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. All of the birds' migratory patterns would be ruined because of you driving your motorcycle. You're going <laughs> down the road with like a hundred other people. Can you imagine being in a city if this is how cars work? And the whole, like being on the highway in rush hour would just be like, and people yelling beep beep to each other. <laughs> It is unclear if you have to get louder to go faster, but I have to imagine that's how it works. It probably does something, yeah. Oh God, I'm into it. Or you've got, yeah, you gotta like raise the like 
you got to like raise the pitch of your noise to go. That fast. just sounded like you powered a Jetson car. That was good. Yeah, I mean that's how we get to find cars, baby. Is we figure out voice like ground cars, and then you start making the the Jetson noise. You figure out flying cars. Hey, I'm Elon Musk. Welcome to <laughs> Tesla. He's just gonna shout his way to Mars, I guess, because the other ways are not working out. If being a weird jerk could power cars, then wow. he would be doing really good. Better than he is doing. Better than he is doing. Um, now, this this voice vehicle technology does work for things other than the motorcycle, I will say. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Oh, I remember this, too. Like He gets in another toy, and he tries to make the motorcycle noise, and it won't go, but then he figures out the noise that like it's a car or something. It's an he ambulance. Figured, he takes yes, an he ambulance. he figures out the, the noise that the ambulance makes, and he, he cracks it. He is bargaining with Keith on his fever bed. He's like, let me take the sports car, and Keith's like, nah, you can't take the sports car. He's like, can I take the ambulance? He's like, fine, go take the ambulance, and he makes the weir, weir noise, and that's how it makes the ambulance go. Um... <laughs> And he's driving around the hotel trying to find some aspirin. He gets trapped by some young women, quote, who could not speak his language. <laughs> Unclear didn't, why. Didn't like motorcycles. They don't like, you know, hogs, I guess. Um, and they trap him in a glass. They throw him out a window. He almost falls but catches himself on a vine so he doesn't get eaten by owls. There is a scary little image of an owl on that page just to remind you of how scary the owls are. Uh-huh. He finds his way into a room full of college students. Ooh, a party. And, and this that, is all at the hotel? Yes. Oh, man. Like some Maybe backpacking college students. Yes. And that is where he finds the aspirin. He finds it on the ground, probably because they're drunk. I don't know. Clearly doesn't make that clear. But in my head, they had a bunch of aspirin because they were, you know, partying. Maybe he assumes it's aspirin and it's actually methamphetamines or well, so, uh, Adderall yes, or something. He does <laughs> find a pill. He cannot read the letters, but he knows that they mean aspirin. And he does bring it back, uh, eventually gets it into the room, gets it onto the side table, and the parents see it. So if it was LSD, they mm-hmm. would have caught it before it okay. went into Keith, thankfully. Sure. And, and in this world, aspirin's magic and Keith is better now. <laughs> I don't know if you know. I mean, that's how baby Tylenol works. That's a good point. It's good for what ails you. It is good for what ails you. Um, and the big change of this whole adventure is that Ralph's family kind of now sees him almost as like the man of the hole in the wall now. Like he went yeah, he on grows this up. adventure. He grows up. He's a dude with a cool ride. He can drive. Yeah. And... Keith is like, thank you so much for saving the day. I can tell actually that you kind of grew up. And so we get like the flip side of that earlier conversation where now Ralph is talking about being responsible and how he's confident that Keith will grow up and be the same. And Keith, out of, you know, generosity and gratitude, gifts him the most. He does offer to take Ralph with him. And Ralph's like, how would that work, Keith? And and Ralph's like, well, I do have a cage at home from when my mom let me have these other mice. And Ralph's like, you want to put me in a cage? Yeah. Wow. I can wow. go to the first floor on my own now, dude. <laughs> and Keith's like, you're right. Have my motorcycle. Yeah, I didn't think this through. Sorry. Um, it, the number of times that Keith inadvertently offends a mouse is pretty good. 
Um, and he gives him he gives him the motorcycle and he says, if you can grow up for this one, like maybe I can grow up and have my own one day is essentially what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Keith, still a little weak from his illness, falls back asleep and uh, instead of just riding away, uh, Ralph is just like, you know what? I'm going to have this bike for a while. I'm just going to let him sleep. And there's just like a cute little image of him standing next to his bike looking like a, you know, a real cool mouse dude <laughs> holding his holding his little ping pong helmet. The S stands for so wow. It does. I th- they changed it in the later book when he had to be smart. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a really sweet book. I don't know. It's fun. There's some cool action. The way the bike works is never. I'm glad really... you're able. Sometimes when when you read like a a kid or a YA book, you can kind of like we we will talk about what appeals, what what would appeal to a kid about it, but we can't fully experience that feeling for ourselves anymore because we're not all yeah Beverly Cleary. Like we can't we can't keep our inner child alive for a hundred and four years. <laughs> Um, but it sounds like you, you enjoyed this one on its own. Yeah. Some of the stuff is just so absurd that it invites a lot of extra like fun speculation, like what we've been doing here on our program the last hour. Yeah. And I think that the, the book was probably written and I, I imagine this is true of the Ramona series as well, but like it feels you can hear her reading books to kids and the types of questions that kids ask about stories kind of informing the way that this book works. Yeah, like, I imagine you get, a lot, you get a lot of that from uh, being a children's librarian yeah. for however long she was that before she became a full-time author. Like the way that the bike works and the types of characters we meet in the hotel and the way that they respond to him, it just it certainly feels like she has whether whether it's a version of herself like she said or whether it's other kids that she read to over the years like she has a voice that she is almost telling this story to as she's writing and like kind of having fun answering their questions along the way sure um and i also like that there's not there we talked about like the owls are kind of you know a thing people are worried about and certainly Keith's mom doesn't like mice, but there's not even really an antagonist in this book. There's not a person to be beaten or to be taught a lesson so that they will be a better person. Or like a person trying to buy the hotel and Ralph needs to raise $100,000 by the end of the month or it'll get bulldozed and turn into an oil derrick or something. (laughs) Yes. It's really just like a boy and a mouse meet each other bond over their shared love of motorcycles and learn about what it takes to grow up. And it's when I say it like that, it's really sweet and heartwarming. And also he makes a little noise to make that motorcycle go. (laughs) I just, these, I'm, I'm relieved sometimes when a story is okay with letting the stakes be pretty low. Yeah. Like it's okay if you're not like saving the world or, even like saving your family you're not saving anything from like certain destruction you are just kind of making friends they there's some like light tension sometimes but yeah that it is pretty easily resolved and then at the end everybody's chill and it's just a chill hang yeah 
if you were reading this book to a kid who might be a little scared of stuff, the who might ask some questions about where these uncles went, like that gets a little dark, but it is not rendered on the page too often, you know, mm-hmm. um, which certainly, yeah, it helps keep the tension like there as an abstract thing without it feeling like, whoa, Ralph could have been eaten and I'm scared yeah. now and yeah. I don't want to read the rest of this book. Yeah, I mean, it does sound like when he eat, has to eat his way out of sheets so he doesn't get buried alive. That sounds a little intense, it, but yeah. aside from that. He's yeah. really worried about getting tossed in the laundry machine because the way that it, the the way that Cleary describes mice just disappearing from this world is pretty intense. Um, man's indifference to mice is the real enemy. Mm-hmm. No, maybe not even indifference, malignance toward mice, I suppose. Yeah. I don't like to have a mouse in the house, is what I'll say. No, I don't like it either. I might but... reconsider if they had a motorcycle and I could talk to them. I mean, maybe you just need a mouse who really loves like baseball and... Nintendo Switch. Yeah, Nintendo Switch. <laughs> then we could the get along great. The mouse and the Nintendo, and then you'd be good. Yeah, we could play baseball together on my Switch. That sounds great. That's a mouse I want to hang out with. Yes. Ralph S. Mouse. The S is for Switch. (laughs) Thanks for recommending that I read this book, Andrew. I had a good time. You're welcome. It's not often that one of us, like, picks out a book and says, you read this one. Yeah. It's usually somewhere in the middle, and it's it's a fun little gift. I mean, you had said that thing about Ramona being just way too lamestream, and you didn't want to read it, and... That's funny. I don't remember. <laughs> and it's a thing I might I have said. It. Yeah. It sounds like a thing I would say. Human memory is so, so weird. You know? I do love to call beloved fictional characters lamestream. That is my yeah. brand. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Well, if anyone remembers when I said that, you can send us an email at overduepod at gmail.com. Let us know who else I called lamestream. <laughs> um, hit us up on Twitter and Facebook at overduepod. I'm going to try and find the the clip of that TV version. I think I found some of it, and I might share that out on the social feeds this week um, so you can watch this horrific mouse. It has like humanish arms. I don't like it. Ugh, it's okay. not great. Um, oh, no. Anyway, thanks to Erica, Carol, Kelsey, Becca, Greg, Sal, Soph, Tom, and more for reaching out to us in, uh, in our social feeds this past week. Our theme song is composed by Nick Larangis. Folks, folks, Andrew, if they want to know more, where do they go? Overduepodcast.com is our internet website. Up there we have links to Apple Podcasts and Google and our RSS feed. We are on Stitcher. We are on Spotify. We are anywhere you get fine podcasts. Rate and review us if you listen on an Apple device, and that helps us out and helps us feel good when you leave a good one. Leave a good one. Uh, we got a Patreon project, patreon.com slash overdue pod. Get bonus episodes early. Get uh, our long read episodes this early. We're talking about uh, Don Quixote by Miguel de Cervantes as translated by Edith Grossman. Yeah. In our series that we like to call Jagged Little Mill. That's what we like to call it. Uh, And next week, I'm going to be reading Coraline by Neil Gaiman. Can't wait. I'm excited for it. I can't wait either. It's going to be good. I don't, I never saw that movie. I don't really know what this book's about. I don't, I never saw a movie and don't know what it's about either. So it's one of those books that is, you're not allowed to sell it without a 
photo from the major motion picture on it anymore. <laughs> yeah, guess, unfortunately. that's what I know about it. Okay. Well, I look forward to hearing about it, Andrew. Yeah, I look forward to talking about it. I was trying, I took me a minute to think about what the opposite of hearing was. And we're going to close on that note (laughs) until we talk to you next time, everyone, please try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.